Welcome to the Deptford Cinema Podcast. I met Fran back in 2011 when we went to Greenwich University to study filmmaking. She came from Paris. Now, in 2020, she lives back in Cameroon. Today she talks about filmmaking in different countries, her first feature film, Waka, and, by the way, how is it being a filmmaker and how is it being a young filmmaker and a female filmmaker and also a black filmmaker? So go, friend, the stage is yours. Who are you? Oh, wow. I think I'm just, uh, my name is Francoise Elong. I think I have so many cultures inside of myself. And uh, I have Benin, I have Cameroon, I have France, and I think I have a little bit of Ivory Coast as well. And yeah, I'm that, that girl who, had, who has so many ideas in her head, who can't sleep because she had so many stories to tell. And uh, every morning I'm waking up, I'm just asking myself, what story I can tell again this morning? And yes, I think I'm everything like that. And also have a big character, I think. <laughs> also have a big character. I like say things, you know, when something, I have something inside, it needs to come out. So I think that's who I am. Is that the reason you became a filmmaker? I think, yes. Uh, at some point, when I was younger, I thought I would be a novelist. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I will be a novelist because I like telling stories stories and and then I found out that my the way I was writing was not really the technique of a novelist. I I, I was uh, I was doing a contest of uh, you know we we had to to write short stories and then the jury of that contest say try um, screenwriting. Where are you at the moment? I'm in Yaounde in Cameroon is uh, Central Africa. Do you have a favorite film? Yes, uh, 12 Angry Men, directed by Sidney Lumet. I think that's my favorite. (laughs) That's quite old, but that's really my favorite. What are the main differences between filmmaking in France and Cameroon? Well, finance first. And then um, also all the, um, how do you call it? And the, I, I will say people are more, experienced in France. Here, we're all indie filmmakers, we're all still learning, we all, everything is starting again, but we still, but still, uh, Cameroonian filmmakers, all the filmmakers were really great filmmakers. And then all the theaters closed. And me as a person who, are, who is 30, 30 years old, uh, it's been 30 years old, cinema closed. Yes, that's the tragedy. And then there are some theaters reopening these, you know, these past years. But then the new generation of filmmakers are kind of uh, learning again how to make films. Because the new generation, they are kind of television people. They don't know that much about what filmmaking is, is with the difference with television. So you have that issue about youngsters watching too many films or movie TV and then mixing it with filmmaking. So that's the big issue right now. 
How important was it for you to go to a film school in the UK? Yeah, it was important because I was uh, I was learning by myself most of the time, but not for screenwriting. For screenwriting, I did many workshops, but for directing and all stuff, I was kind of okay. I I, I was interested, and then I started learning by myself, watching the others making films, and then starting making myself. So I just thought that that's not enough. I need go in those kind of place where they tell you how you should do it <laughs> and yeah. then I say I need a school in your opinion what is a good filmmaker for me a good filmmaker uh, is someone who knows a little bit of everything about filmmaking especially for directors I'm really talking especially for directors because as a director I have to talk with so many departments when I make films And when I when I talk to like sound department, makeup or whatever, I like um, it's better I think for me to be to be able to talk to them that I can understand what I want. So meaning that um, that I should be precise with them when I'm talking to them that they can give me everything I want and of of course adds all the imagination and all the the the, the things that are good for my film. But for me. When I'm when I'm working, for instance, with, the, with uh, on the movie, and when I'm talking to my son person, I'm kind of asking him questions. I'm kind of um, understanding uh, is what he's doing, his job actually, and then I know that it will help me for the next film. And I think going, for instance, to Greenwich or or trying to learn with all my team is making me is is making me a better filmmaker because I'm improving my directing. The, when I did Waka, I was young, you know, I knew about filmmaking because I did so many short films, but I was still, you know, I was still kind of, okay, uh, I'm doing a first feature film. It's really completely different from a short film. And, and when I did Waka, um, I knew that there are so many, some things I was lacking to be able to be, to have, the 100% movie I imagined. And then I did Buried recently. And Buried, I was so precise in what I wanted. Even my team was looking like, because they were looking like, wow, we never work with someone who knows so precisely what she wants. And I say it's experience, you know, because every time I'm on set, I'm observing everything that's around me. I'm talking with extras. I'm talking with everybody, you know. I'm talking with the actors. I'm talking with the team. I'm talking with the extras to just know the feeling they have on the set and also to learn more about not only the technical part of what they're doing, but what they're doing as, as the person doing the job, you know. So I think you learn a lot when you talk to your team, when you're close to your team. You mentioned Waka, your first feature film. Can you tell us a bit about the plot? Waka is the story of uh, Matilda. Uh, actually, she's a, she's a woman during the day and a prostitute during the night. Because a Waka in, in our um, slang language in Cameroon means prostitute. It comes from English, walk. It's the pidgin English, we call that, uh, of, uh, of and then we walk, 
Waka was like a ladies walking in the night, right? So that's the movie I did. And that was my first baby. That was the first time I was making a feature film. And I just went around the world with that movie. And it was an amazing experience. Could that film be set anywhere in the world? It can be anywhere for many reasons. Because the film is not is uh, is focusing on the mother and her son. She's doing prostitution because she wants to earn money to raise her child. And when I say the story like this, it is sounds Cameroonian. It sounds, it can sound French. It can sound, you know, uh, English. It can sound from anywhere, you know. I think mother fighting for their kids is not proper to a continent. I think it's from around the world. You have so many mothers fighting every single day, every single day. And more and more you're having these festivals focusing on women, where because maybe they think that women are not enough, you know, spotlighted, especially strong women, you know. Uh, and when I say strong women, it doesn't mean you need to do an amazing thing, you know, because when you are we call it minority. Every time people think that you need to be like amazing to be spotlighted. You know, a woman was fighting for a kid every single day is an extraordinary woman for me. And that's a story I wanted to tell. And that story, every, everywhere in this world, you could tell it. But in the film, you have specific things which are specifically Cameroonian, you know. And that's not, uh, but the code is the same. When you want, when you see a Bollywood film, for instance, when they talk about love, singing, and you know, you know it's love. And love is universal. You're just seeing the specific way uh, Indian people are talking about love, you know, but it's still love, right? So what, what is specific is the way we tell stories, but I think the themes are always universal. The film shows a lot of violent and disrespectful men, but there are so many women as well who treat her badly. That's the thing. Yeah. The, the, the worst enemy of a woman is a woman, mm. right? And that's the horrible part of the story is that we know, we know that every day in your, in your life, when something happens to you, it's men who support you more than women. You know, it happens, especially in Africa. In Africa, it's like this. Women are not in like a solidarity way of being, you know. And that's a shame. That's a real shame because that makes men more powerful. It doesn't mean that every time we would, we should be in that fighting position of men with women, you know. We don't, we doesn't need to be in that. Normally, I think everyone knows what it should do. And when you do a mistake, if you're a man or a woman, it should be the same. We, ha we are in a society where men doesn't, don't want to, to give women the place they deserve, you know. And that, that's what makes it now so schizophrenic, you know. <laughs> and, and it's a real shame because I have a baby girl now and I'm just trying to imagine in which kind of world she will live, you know that world where it's always a fight between men and women. 
I'm not sure I'm really at ease with that, you know, that atmosphere, but we don't have any choice, right? But the only thing we can do is trying to make things moving with our films, trying to change the world, right? So let's make films that help our kids. If you have any questions or suggestions for future podcasts or would like to get involved as a volunteer, please email us at info at depthedcinema.org. When it comes to terminology, will there ever be a time where you'll be just a filmmaker, not a female filmmaker? A black female filmmaker. Oh yeah, next level. How do you see it? I'm so in a hurry to be in the part of the story where I will be just a filmmaker, <laughs> you know? And, uh, but I think it's so far because when I was starting making films, I was making films as a filmmaker only. I was not thinking about me as a female or me as a black female, me as a young black female, you know? And um, and I remember I was making genre films, like horror films. I wanted to make horror films. And I was like, oh, you know that black little girl she was, who makes, you know, horror films? That's how people were describing me, you know, in Paris. And I was like, wow, this is really weird. And then, and then I just, I, I started uh, being invited to those festivals, focusing on women. And I was asking myself, mm, why are they creating this kind of festivals, you know? And I was asking myself why it's so hard to just make films as a filmmaker. And now they're putting us in cases, in, in festivals for females. And I was like, oh no, I'm not sure it's helping female filmmakers, you know, to do that kind of festivals. And then, and then um, I thought to myself, okay, I'm young. People thought that I can be here now making films. And those female filmmakers who fought, who, who fought for that, they, they, they thought that it would be great to have spaces where female can talk and talk freely. So as a young filmmaker, I should not see these festivals like bad things. I should ask myself why el my elders think thought that it was important to create those spaces. And then I, I started having a step back of the position I have about those festivals. And, but they still have the good and the bad, the good and the bad side, because it's good to have a festivals focusing on female, but then it just like, when you say it's Mother's Day, well, you also have Father's Day. When in Africa, when you have Mother's Day, everyone is say, oh, that's the only day you guys are important. You know, that's mm. what they say in Africa. Mother's Day, that's the only day where we can celebrate you. Or when you have the 8th March, you know, the, the, civil, the, the civil rights for, for women. They always say, especially the Civil Rights for Women Day, the 8th March day, they say, Oh, that's the only day where we celebrate you, but we celebrate men every single day. And that's like when you say, wow, that's violent. And when you, so, when you see that it's so violent and then we understand why, why these uh, elders, filmmakers say, okay, we need to create. We need to be able to, to gather together and to talk about 
female problems, you know, female uh, uh, way of seeing life. And, and then we can talk. And then if the festival become big, and then they're gonna, they, they will hear us as well. And then you see the importance of doing that. I think I needed a process because I was young and I was seeing really in a really easy way, like don't create this kind of things. It's putting us in boxes again. And then when you see the story, the history, not the story, the history of why they did that, why it started, and then you understand a lot of things and then you say, yeah, I was young when I was saying that it's not necessary. So yeah, I think it's important for me to be conscious that I'm a female and then I'm black. I'm young, I'm female and I'm black, you know, so that's three. In order to educate myself, I have a question. There is a YouTube show called Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. Emmanuel Echo asks a white family who adopted black children, how do you make sure they keep their black culture What is black culture for you? So I think to answer that question, I need to say some things. Um, you know, if a black family adopt a white little boy or girl, it will be an issue for everybody. They would say, oh no, uh, the, 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 the kid can be traumatized and etc." So why black kids should not be traumatized to be living with white, white people? You know, the reverse is not, you know, in our minds, in our culture. But when white people adopt black kids, we always see that like, oh, they're saving them, right? So black people can never save a white kid. Always, it's always like that. And what I think is, what I like with the U.S., which is really different with Europe, is US, I think they're trying to, to keep that blackness thing in their mind, meaning that when kids are black, they're trying to, to, to give them some, the community, I think, try to give them everything that's close to their values as black people. Even if in schools they're confronted with some things, it looks for me like they're more close to the fact that they are black people than in France, for instance. Let me give you an example. Mm. I have my cousin. When my cousin goes to school, when he's make history in schools, they tell him that his ancestor is Napoleon. Well, my cousin is a black little kid. Napoleon had some racist speeches and all the stuff. So he was saying to my little cousin that the guy we didn't really like black people was his ancestor, you know. And when you talk about black and all the stuff, you talk about slavery, you show that, that slaves uh, couldn't fight for their rights and they were like used like animals and all the stuff, you know. That's why, for instance, my cousins in France are completely uncomfortable about when we talk about slavery in during, um, during their, their classes. They don't like talking about slavery, but they like talking about it that they like. I'm, I'm just, you know, it's a, it's a big word. When they talk about segregation and all the stuff, we see black people as black people fighting for 
their blackness and everything you know you see martin luther king you heard about you hear about malcolm x etc but you never hear about slaves that fought for to being to be free for their freedom you never in france they never teach kids that those slaves fought for their for their freedom you know so African people in the class, because there is a difference between African and black, you know, for me, when you see, because um, um, most of the kids in France, when we start, we start that part of the history, they're completely unease. All the kids in the class is starting to be like, oh, what was it? And when they were slaves, oh, we're so sorry for you. He said, I was not there, man, you know, I was not there. My ancestors was there and I know the story. And every time you're talking about slavery, it's to say that we were slaves and then we couldn't fight and we were animals, you know. And when you talk about segregation, you say that Martin Luther, Martin Luther King did this. I want to be American. All, uh, all, most of the black kids in France are dreaming to be American. They don't have models because when something happened, for instance, there were that issue where um, Guerlain says nigger in in you know in a in a in a TV show, and and then nobody went out saying no way, you know nobody, not all the black mothers we should have in front. They were all at home, you know, uh, uh, praying that. Uh, uh, they, they, they don't be like pointed out and then they, they have to say something because they have their positions in the society where white people put them there and if they start saying things maybe they're going to lose their positions etc you can't say nigger in the US and having PDD shut his mouth you know you know what I mean yeah. so Oga, Will Smith, Taraji P. Anson, uh, Spike Lee at Denzel Washington, they'll all come out and say, no way, you know? You don't have that kind of, you know, proud, proud, uh, proud to be black and to say, no, you can't say that because we're part of your economy, we're part of the country. In France, um, all the black people are fighting to be French, you know, because every time they need to prove that they are French people, they're always like, proving that they are French, you know, yeah, I'm French, you know. When in America, the good, the good thing with America is that they all, they all came from everywhere to create America, right? In France, they say we were there and then you guys came, so you are in our houses. So some people still think you are black and you can't be French. Yes, exactly. So you need to, to fight every day to be a French guy. You know, when an African-American is not fighting to be an American. I see the difference, although the U.S. is far from being perfect as well. So what is black culture for you then? I should be able to be Cameroonian and French at the same time. You know, I should be able to do that because I can't just become French because I have my... I have a past. How come someone, we're not coming from nowhere. We're coming from somewhere, you know? And for me, blackness is, you know, all, a lot of African-Americans are connecting themselves back to Africa because this is where they are, their ancestors. Most of them are doing it. For instance, we, we learned that Spike Lee had native, 
you know, in, in Cameroon is the same for Taraji Pihenzen. And then for me, they're connecting themselves back to the African, you know, culture. And I think it's important because a, a, uh, I'm not saying, I'm not giving a right to the person saying a black person can never be French. Of course it can be French, but you should never forget that he also have his, his, uh, his roots in Africa. Why is it an issue for him to be plural? It should not be an issue. Diversity is a, is a, is a, is a strength. It's not a weakness. You know, it's making you being open-minded. You know, you know, when, 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 um, when you, for instance, as Austrian people goes to England, you, you, you're coming to, to, you're discovering a new culture, right? You're discovering new cultures. And I think it's making you someone more open-minded, you know, it's making someone more open-minded. So for me, we should not be only one thing. We should not be only one thing. We have a mother and we have a, a, dad, a, a dad. When just, if, let's just say um, you as a person, you're Austrian, even if your parents are both Austrian, they came from somewhere, you know, and as a person, you, you, you learn from your dad and you learn from your mom. They were not maybe from the same part of Austria, but there are two people coming together and creating something. When you know that a couple is someone, someone coming, coming from left and another one coming from right and you are in the middle, why shouldn't you forget all what your dad taught you to just keep what your mom taught you? And for me, we should be able to be people that gather two countries that gather two continents and it's a strength. For me, it's a, tr a strength. It seems to be there are two ideas out there. One, color doesn't exist. We're all the same. Two, color does exist. We are, of course, all the same, but we're different. I think we are, I think we should assume that we are, yeah, we are different. But that, those differences should not be issues. That for me, the, the, the problem. We're seeing, our, we're seeing our difference like issues. We can't say we're the same because obviously we're not the same. We are human beings. Yeah, we are the same as human beings. That's completely obvious for me. But you can't say as a black woman, I'm like, I'm a white woman. That's not true. We don't have the same issues, you know. For instance, maybe your skin needs some stuff my skin doesn't need, you know. Yeah. So we can't really, we don't have the same experience as a black person and as a white person, you know. For instance, me, my hair, I'm not the same as your hair, you know. And that, and I have my own way to treat my hair. You have your own way to treat your hair, you know. And you, you, we are different. Of course we are different and we need to assume our difference to be able to use them in the, the positive way. That's why I was saying with talking the story of telling the story of my cousin is a French little boy, but, but they should never tell him that his ancestor is Napoleon. You know, that's not his ancestor. They should be able to go to Af to, to, to know about African heroes and everything, you know, but because they are African heroes, they should go to Egypt. Most of our countries, we're coming from Egypt. 
they should go there and then know the frowning, you know, period and etc. So for me, my counseling, they should not tell him that it's not that I want them to have specific uh, classes for their for their history. No, they should be able to mix all that to say, okay, this is this and this is that, you know. But we all this we all here, and this is making our strength as a country. We're stronger being together because yeah. we all are different cultures. We're able to adapt everywhere. We're able to create everywhere. We're able to be together and create everywhere. Because for instance, let's say, when we made our close range together, we were so many people, different people, you know. Mm. You are Maro, you have Aga, you, have you me, Simone. We're so from so many parts of, of the world, you know. But we managed to create something, something. And that's, that's, for me, what is the, the, our strength, this capacity of being together and create something together, you know. But it doesn't mean that when I did Buried, for instance, I just worked with Cameroonian, but I worked with Cameroonian from so many parts of the country, from so many parts of the country. Or in Cameroon, we are officially bilingual. You have part of the country that talks only English, the other, the other part talk only French, you know. We, we're living together. We have two, 250 ethnic, ethnicities in our country. We like the United States. We're so, we're so mixed. People came from everywhere to, to, to be Cameroonian, you know, and that's our strength. And every time people create together, they put them, uh, themselves together to create, it makes things bigger. Thank you for listening to the Deptford Cinema Podcast. For more information about our current online activities, please visit our website, www.deptfordcinema.org. Deptford Cinema. Deptford Cinema, the right place for film lovers.